Sunday he's coming. Hallelujah. Oh, glorious day. Aren't you looking forward to that day? What a great day that will be. Uh, so exciting to think about. I love that song. It just kind of builds and builds and builds and builds and reminds us what our hope is actually placed in. Not in you and I, not in the things that we can accomplish, not in the things on this earth, but in our great God and our glorious Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, as a local body of believers, I think it's important for us to always remember that there's more in the world than just Calvary Baptist Church of Preble, right? There's more going on around us than sometimes we're aware of. And I want to just take a few minutes to remind us of some of the things that are going on around us in our world and spend just a few moments in prayer about those things. Micah has already done a, a good job of reminding us that we need to be praying for those who sacrificially gave their lives in service for our country this past week, those that, that perished in Afghanistan helping others, um, you know, make, uh, make peace and safety something that is real in our world. But I want us to pray for our nation. I want us to pray for... Obviously, those military uh, individuals and the military in general, pray for the leadership of our military, pray for our leaders in general. Um, we need to, we, whether you agree or disagree or like or don't like, doesn't really matter. We need to be praying for our president. He needs wisdom that is far beyond his capacity uh, at this moment. Uh, that's important all the time, but right now it's, it's a crisis really around the world. And a lot of the world is looking to us for leadership like they have for so many decades. And uh, we just need to pray that we will have uh, wisdom, uh, our leaders will have wisdom. Another thing I want us to pray for with regard to our, our country is the morale in our country. We've seen that wane back and forth, and one group has it, and another group doesn't have it, and that changes back and forth. But don't you long for the days when our country stood and loved one another, and it was a place of camaraderie and a place of uh, brotherhood? Uh, and, and I don't know that that, if that will ever come back, but it doesn't stop us from praying towards that end. So I think we need to be praying along those lines. Last week, we spent a large portion of our service praying for Afghanistan. I want to continue to pray for them. I trust that you're praying for Afghanistan on a regular basis, uh, even daily, um, or maybe even a couple of times throughout the day as God brings that situation to your mind. And it's not just a blanket prayer for the people of Afghanistan. That's necessary, but we need to be praying for the Christians that live in Afghanistan that will face certain persecution. We need to, fa- we need to pray for the Taliban, uh, that they will see the light of Christ, uh, and it will be so bright to their hearts and to their minds that it will blind out the evilness of Islam, uh, and, and that people would see that, that there is a God who loves them, and his name is Jehovah. Uh, and so we want to be praying for that. Uh, let's bring it a little closer to home. Uh, we also, I don't know how many of you last night um, or yesterday afternoon heard the fire sirens go off. It wasn't just Preble's fire siren that went off. It was Preble, or it was fire sirens around the region that went off. Um, and somebody that we know <clears throat> was impacted by that, the, Rip, the Ripley family, lost a big barn um, and lost a lot of equipment. Fortunately, they didn't lose any livestock and no people were injured or damaged in the, in the fire, but it was a big fire. Um, I think a five, like a five alarm fire um, and the fire departments that were there spent most of the day there trying to get it under control and help uh, with cleanup and all that kind of stuff. So let's pray for the Ripley family. They, you know, their response has been amazing. I read it on Facebook. I didn't know that that's what the fire was yesterday until this morning, but I read on uh, Dan's Facebook page this morning um, the damage and loss and their response. Um, And so as a church, especially with a sister church, a fellowshipping church, guys that we play softball with, guys that we, our kids go to school with, some of them, uh, and just people that have been in our church and uh, love our church. And uh, so we need to be praying for the Ripley family in Hillcrest area that God would uh, continue to be at work there uh, throughout that situation. And then there's several in our church family right here, bring it really close to home again, uh, that we need to be praying for. Gertrude has been transferred, I assume, right, Doug? 
She's, back, she's up at Kraus. Um, really what Gertrude is suffering from or what's kind of inflicting her right now is uh, a, a diminishing capacity of her kidneys to be able to do what kidneys are supposed to do. Um, so this is not the first time for her to experience this. She went through it just about a year ago, um, and they did a couple courses of dialysis for her, and that seemed to kickstart things and get things going again. Um, so they've transferred her to Kraus where they can have a specialist uh, monitoring her situation, have her close to where she can receive the dialysis. If that's, uh, has she started that or not? Do you know? Okay, so let's uh, continue to pray for Gertrude, uh, kidney function and fluid retention, um, and, and just uh, that the doctors would have wisdom on how to treat her. And of course, in that, we want to include Carol, still recovering from her surgery, but also trying to be present with Gertrude as much as possible. Uh, so there's that family in our church that we want to be praying for. We're continuing to pray for Wanda with her Parkinson's disease. Um, I got a text uh, this morning from Bobby Joe. Uh, her mom had knee replacement surgery, uh, and there's some, some complications there going on. So if you want to pray for Bobby Joe and her family, there's other health issues going on in that family as well with a couple of her daughters. Uh, so let's just spend a time, some time this morning opening things in prayer by remembering these requests before our great God. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we come before you today uh, thanking you for the opportunity that we've had already to worship you in song. Father, we've sung some songs that remind us how amazing you are. Your plan for us, your plan for mankind, your plan for the world has been outlined for us in the songs that we have sung this morning. And not just songs that are words that really don't have much meaning and make us feel good, but Father, they are songs that make us feel good because they are scripturally based songs that remind us of the truths of our great God, truths about you. Uh, and your plan for us. And we're so thankful for the love that you have that caused you to send your son to die on the cross to reconcile us to yourself. There was no other way for man to be reconciled to you, a holy God, because sin had separated us from you. Uh, and, and so, Father, in your plan, you brought your son to this world who paid the penalty for our sins on the cross of Calvary. And then, Father, you raised him from the dead glorious day. What a day that was, day that changed humanity, day that changed history. The world has not been the same because on that day you kept your promise of redemption. Father, so many people have benefited from that redeeming sacrifice on Calvary and the resurrection of Christ from the dead, but we know that there are more that you want to bring into your family. And so we pray that you would help us as individuals of Calvary Baptist Church to do our part to communicate the good news to others, that individuals might hear the, the redemption process, hear about it and understand it, and want to trust Jesus as their personal Savior. Father, we want to pray this morning for our nation. We are in a, a state of grieving right now over the loss of individuals who have uh, valiantly served our country uh, and died on foreign soil. Their bodies are being, being brought back to America today. We pray that they would receive the recognition and honor that is due them. Uh, and thank you for their sacrifice. We pray for their families today, Lord, that you would encourage them. Uh, and thank you for the highlight in our service already that we have made for them. Uh, and we ask that we would not forget them in the days ahead. We know that our country is coming up on an anniversary celebration, not an anniversary that we are um, we remember with uh, excitement and enthusiasm, but with grief, the, the, the anniversary of September 11th, 20 years ago. And so we pray for our, our country as we think about that and we remember that and honor those who died in that whole incident. And, and Father, I pray that, that if there was some way that our country could go back to uh, the love and the gratitude we have for our nation, for our, our neighbors, for our, our, our country as a whole, uh, and for you, God, uh, when, when that 
terrible day happened, our country just kind of rallied around one another and united together. Uh, and, and, and we're lacking that right now. And I just pray that you would help us to uh, see the importance of loving uh, neighbor and loving uh, one another, that we might see that um, spirit of love and camaraderie re- reignited in our, in our country as a whole. Father, we want to remember to pray for the country of Afghanistan and all that is going on there. Father, there are many people who trust Jesus as their Savior. It's the fastest, second fastest growing church in the world the church that is in Afghanistan. And, and Father, we know that there will be persecution uh, because it's not uh, approved and not ordained by Muslims. The fact that Jesus is Lord and Savior and God of all creation and the one true God is Jehovah God. Uh, And so, Father, we know that the days ahead for our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan are going to be difficult. They're going to be trying and many may lose their life. Uh, But Lord, as as Scott prayed, may we... Look to them as encouragement, as uh, examples, as uh, ones that we could follow uh, in their great love and their willingness to die for the cause of Christ. Father, we pray for the Taliban, that they would see their need of Christ. We pray for the general person in Afghanistan who does not know Jesus as their Savior, that they might know somebody who does know Jesus and that they would seek them out and, and talk to them and see the, the difference that Christ makes in the life of an individual. Father, we want to think of the Ripley family this morning who suffered a terrible loss yesterday. One of their barns was completely destroyed by fire. Uh, they had moved a lot of equipment in there and tools because they were doing uh, some work in other barns. And, and so, Father, they suffered a, a loss with regard to material things, uh, things that helped them function as a business, as a local farm. Uh, and so we pray for them that you might help them to recover the losses that they have experienced, whether that's through insurance. Uh, what, a, what a joy it was to hear that many other farmers rallied around them yesterday as, uh, as the flames were being extinguished and they were assessing damage and values lost and, and things like that. And so, Father, we pray for the Ripleys that they may maintain their uh, testimony in their community among their, their, uh, their fellow farmers in their church family uh, and even just amongst the average Uh, person who lives over in that area. May they, Father, be encouraged by the response that the Ripleys put forth in their trust and reliance upon you for meeting their needs. We pray that you give opportunity for them to communicate Christ clearly during these days ahead. And then, Father, as we look to the needs of people in our own family, we we lift them up before you today. We thank, Lord, of Gertrude, who has been transferred to Kraus. We thank you for the way that you opened up a bed for her to be there. There weren't any, um, and there was no... um, there was no beds in St. Joe's either. Uh, And and so, Father, our hospitals are crammed and there's lots of people in those, uh, taking up those beds due to different things. Uh, And so this morning we are thankful and we rejoice that you provided a room for Gertrude. And now, Lord, we pray that you would give her doctors wisdom as they uh, look for ways to treat her. Uh, The the retention of fluid needs to be dealt with and her body needs to be able to uh, get rid of the excess fluid. uh, And that puts more strain on the kidneys as well, and so we, we pray about the, the, the reduction in the function of the kidneys, uh, and we just lift her up before you. Father, she's, she's a lady who loves you. She's a lady who's been faithful to you, 97 years old, and most of those years she has spent serving you, loving you, raising her family to do the same, uh, and so we commit her into your hands, ask for your will to be done there. We thank you for Carol. Uh, and her diligence to care for her mom and Doug right alongside of her there. But we pray for Carol as she continues to recover from the surgery that she had about a month ago. Uh, And we ask, Lord, that you would just strengthen her uh, and help her as she tries to spend as much time with Gertrude as possible. Uh, Thank you for the love, the bond that is there, and the example that is shown to the rest of our church family in that regard. Lord, we pray for Wanda this morning. We know that when she's able, she wants to be here. Uh, And so we lift her up before you. We ask that you would strengthen her body, help the medications that she's taking to do what they're supposed to do without having terrible side effects. And and Lord, we just want to ask that you would strengthen her body. Thank you for Mike, who cares for her so lovely uh, in such a lovely way. And we ask, Lord, for strength for him as well. Uh, We know that they're watching online if they're not able to be with us. And so we pray that you would encourage them today, help them to know that uh, other than hearing us pray for them, that we do pray for them regularly and ask for your will to be done in Wanda's situation. 
Lord, we pray for Bobby Joe this morning as well and the situations going on in her family, her mom and her two daughters uh, battling different health issues. So we commit them into your hands and ask that through all of these things, you might help them to see that there is a God in heaven who loves them and who cares for them uh, and that uh, those in Bobby Joe's family that do not know Jesus as their Savior might come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And that might happen sooner rather than later. Help Bobby Joe's testimony to be one that is encouraging and challenging and pointing them to Jesus Christ. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, here we go. We're going to finish up the book of Philippians. We've, we've spent some time here over the last several months looking at the keys to joy in the life of the child of God. And uh, we've talked about some pretty heavy things already this morning, prayed about some things that could indeed be discouraging for uh, anybody, including the child of God. But even these kinds of things should not be uh, able to steal our joy away from us. We want to be people who are people of joy, people who know and understand and, and take great stock in the promises of God. And in those promises and the assurance of who will make those promises come to pass, we take great joy in that. Uh, and because we have so much joy, as we said last week, we have thankful hearts. And our hearts should be so thankful that they overflow. They overflow with gratitude to our great God for all that he does and for the future that he has promised to us. So this morning we're going to conclude what we started last week. Uh, we started talking about how Paul, uh, as he brings this letter of, of joy to the Philippians to an end, he encouraged them. And by encouraging them, he's encouraging you and I to have a thankful heart. And there were many reasons to have a thankful heart. Paul shared his testimony with us last Sunday in the closing parts of chapter 14. And he reminded us that because of what God has done in our lives and in our hearts and in our families and in our surroundings uh, and all the things that he continues to do, we should have a heart full of gratitude. We're not going to go through all of the things that we went through last week. Otherwise, we would only get halfway done again. Um, but let me just quickly remind you that Paul shared his testimony with us, and his testimony included his great joy. He said, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, not minimally, not just a tiny little bit, but I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, even while he was in prison, okay? So the circumstances of life should not rob us of our joy. And Paul says, I rejoiced greatly, he talked about how we should be people of pray, prayer. And as we pray, that brings joy to our hearts. Paul rejoiced every time the gospel was preached. And sometimes people preached it for the wrong reasons. But the gospel was preached, the truth went out. And so Paul rejoiced, even when it brought more difficulty to his life. He was rejoicing over the gospel. Paul rejoiced over the abilities that God gave him and the opportunities that God gave him to help others in their walk with the Lord. What a joy it is when you come along somebody who might be struggling or who might need some encouragement uh, and, and you put your arm around them and you love on them and you encourage them to continue on faithfully serving the great God that has called us into his family. There was joy in the fact that we can help others progress in their walk with the Lord. We talked about the fact that Paul was, was looking forward to a potential visit from or to the Philippians and he knew that the, the, the joy that God would bring to the Philippian believer's heart if they could see Paul one more time and vice versa. The Philippian brothers and sisters who would come to visit Paul while he was in prison, there was joy because of those visits. We also see that there was purpose in their life. They weren't just going through life without any thought, without any goal, without any direction. They had purpose in their life and they knew that when God allowed them to be productive in ministry, that meant others' lives were challenged and changed and pointed to, to God and reminded of the amazing God that we serve. Um, and, and Paul had a pattern. He, he lived out this life. This wasn't just with the Philippian people that he was faithful, that he encouraged them, that he helped them progress in their walk. It was with countless numbers of people that Paul was used by God to allow them to grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ. So he had a pattern of sacrificial service. And then he jumped to our position. And this is where we focused our songs this morning to a, to a large degree. Our position in Christ. You and I, it's hard to imagine. It's hard to understand the realities of all of it. 
But you and I have a position in Christ. And that position in Christ is a son and a daughter. Brothers and sisters with Jesus Christ. And you and I are going to spend eternity in a place called heaven. And nothing in this world and nothing in this life can take that away from us. Nothing can diminish that. Nothing can stop that from happening. So what does that do for you and I? It causes us, or it should cause us, to have great joy. Joy and rejoicing. Joy unending. Joy that is completely fulfilled because it rests in the character and the nature of our great God and the fact that we are part of the family of God. So we should have perpetual joy. Joy that is never ending. And then as joyful individuals, as people who are full of joy, you know what that means? That means that we should have the right perspective on life. And Paul deals with that uh, just before we get to the passage where we're going to look this morning. Uh, but Paul deals with the idea of the perpetual joy promoting in our lives the right perspective on giving. Uh, we don't give because we have to give. In fact, we talked about this in our deacons meeting the other night. Um, and, uh, and we said that the reason we give, the way we give, is from a joyful heart. We give because we want to give, because we love God, because we know that we could never outgive our great God. And He's the source of all that we have. And so as we give, we give cheerfully, we give joyfully, and we give knowing that what we give is used to uh, further the work of God in our local area, in our region, in our country, and even in the world. And so as we think about this, we, we remember the, the magnificent rejoicing that Paul put forth in the, the, the letter to the, to the Philippian believers. It was magnificent rejoicing. He rejoiced over the care that the Philippians exercised towards Paul. He rejoiced in the commitment from the Philippian believers. They were faithful to the things of God. And that promoted in Paul an attitude of gratitude. And the, the magnitude of the need that we and I, that you and I face, we, as we've said already, we've, we've talked about some pretty heavy things. And there may be things going on in your life today that nobody else knows about. And you may be just grieving in your heart and not able or maybe not willing to share that with somebody else. You might have a, a great need. But Paul wanted us to understand that the magnitude of our need should not affect our contentment. Because we know where we are going. We know where we will spend all of eternity. And there's a mystery in that, isn't there? There's the mystery of being content. And Paul unraveled that mystery for us last week. He talked about how knowing how to be abased, to really suffer need. And he also talked about knowing how to abound, to be full, to have an abundance. And that fostered in him an attitude of contentment. So he has this game plan. And you all know this verse, right? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's the game plan. It's a, it's a plan that is, includes all things. All things. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And there's the truth of the plan. That we can't do anything in our own strength that will last for eternity. But we can do all things through Christ who enables us to do those things. So that's last week's message in a nutshell. Wow. You say, Pastor, why didn't you do that last week? Well, there was so much more involved in it, though, last week, wasn't there? So we're going to move on this morning. We're going to talk about thanks and transparency in verses 14 through 18. Thanks and transparency. You know, Paul wanted to be right out there, open and honest with what was going on in his life and all that God had done. And he wanted the Philippian believers to know that he appreciated their partnering with him. Paul appreciated the Philippians partnering with him. And this idea of partnering is not just uh, working together on a Sunday morning, okay? This idea of partnering is at the heart of what you and I today call missions, okay? You, you take a look on the wall on the left side as you walk out of the worship center and you see the missionaries that we support. We have a privilege of supporting these missionaries, and we, in a very real sense, are partnering with these missionaries. Now, uh, let me share this with you. Calvary Baptist Church of Preble 
partnered with the Mowers family for more than 20 years when we, went, when we were serving the Lord in South Africa. Uh, and it was a great joy for us to be able to count on Calvary Baptist Church of Preble. In, in June of 1989 was the first time that after we got married, we got on an airplane and we headed to Cape Town, South Africa. And, and we lived there for a one-year stint then, and then we came back and we reconnected with Calvary Baptist Church of Preble, and Calvary Baptist Church of Preble reassured uh, us of their continued support in our ministry. And so from that point on until late 2010, after we returned from South Africa and finished our ministry with EBM, Calvary Baptist Church continued to support the Mowers family. And no matter what was going on, whether it was good or bad, you guys supported us. And we had the opportunity to rejoice together over the many things that God accomplished in the ministry. This church, Calvary Baptist Church of Preble, and 21 other churches and several other individuals and family units came together, partnered with the Mowers family to uh, be involved in ministry in South Africa. As a result of that partnership, many individuals came to know Christ as their Savior. As a result of that partnership, many people were discipled and, and grew in their walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. And they were, they were committed individuals following after the things of God. They were grounded in the word of God. They were grounded in truth as we taught and as we preached. As a result of that, we were able to build a church building. Okay, you guys helped in very real, tangible ways with that, sent extra offerings to help make the building of that ha- building happen. That was, it was much like the building here. Um, it was a, in, in the particular area at the time where it was, it was one of the bigger buildings, and people would come in and say, wow, this is a big church. It wasn't that big. You know, we'd been in a lot bigger churches, and there were a lot bigger churches not that far away, but, but in that particular, this is a big church. And you guys helped make that possible. We, we called a South African pastor and turned the ministry over to him. We had individuals, lives who were changed because of the partnership that went on between Calvary Baptist Church of Preble and the ministry that God called the Mowers family to. Um, and whenever we came back to Preble, we always felt like we were coming back home because that's what it was. There was a relationship here that existed, and we always enjoyed rekindling that relationship. That's what Paul's talking about here when he talks about the Philippian church partnering with him for in the gospel ministry. Now, um, Paul says to the Philippians, he says, you guys were the only church that ministered to my needs at some points in time. The only church. Now, Thankfully, we, we always had a great number of churches that worked alongside of us. Um, but we also knew that there was a special relationship. When our home church, our sending church, was struggling, uh, and we were without a pastor, and things were not looking very good there, um, Pastor Brown came to me and said, Tim, if you, if you guys need a sending church, if things don't work out with Calvary and things in Messina uh, don't continue going on forward, by God's grace it did. But he said to me, he says, we will, we will be that sending church for you guys. So, wow, what a, what a, what a unique situation. Uh, and that probably, to some degree, a large degree, probably had to do with the fact that we did an internship here. And we got to know the people and love the people, and they got to know us and love us. And so we had this opportunity of being ministered to by you guys. And Paul says, you, you Philippians, you ministered to me when nobody else could or would. You did that. You were used by God, and you remained faithful to give to the ministry that God had called the Apostle Paul to. And why is that? so important for churches to partner with missionaries. You you may know this song, and I may have referred to this song in the past, but let me read just a few, one verse really of the song. It goes like this. The song is called, um, Thank You for Giving to the Lord. Uh, The second verse says, Then another man stood before you and said, Remember the time a missionary came to your church and his pictures made you cry. You didn't have much money, but you gave it anyway. Jesus took that gift you gave, and that's why I'm here today. Thank you for giving to the Lord. I am a life that was changed. Thank you for giving to the Lord. I am so glad that you gave. You know what? As a church in America, giving to missionaries, we may never know the impact that our gift has 
for all of eternity in the lives of people all over the world. That's what partnering is all about. That's what giving to the work of God is all about. Now think about this. We have the privilege today in 2021 that Paul didn't have. You know what that privilege is? We have people from South Africa watching our service today. And you know what? Those people that are watching benefited from the partnership between this church and a missionary that went there to do the work of the Lord. What a blessing it is to to see that and to interact with that. We have... We've had one person come from South Africa that was part of the ministry that this church helped foster come and visit and share his testimony. Stan did that. And we're looking forward, and Charlie assured me last week that he's coming. We're looking forward to when Charlie can come and share what God has done. And others, if they're able, uh, believe me, I know that many of them would get on a plane today if they could and come. Uh, but, you know, there's, uh, there's problems that prevent that from happening, at least at this point in time. But anyway, we're looking forward to them coming and sharing what God did through the partnership of this church to Grace Baptist Church of Tableview. What a great testimony that is. Lives are changed when we partner in the gospel ministry. We do that in Africa. We do that in East Asia. We do that right here in America. We do that around the world by God's grace. And we want to continue to be able to do that. And that takes us to our, the next idea where these individuals continued to help meet Paul's need. As God allowed them, they continued to give. They gave to help support Paul in the ministry that God called him to. Paul and the Philippians, they had this lasting relationship. The giving of the Philippians to Paul was not just a one-time gift. It continued. It went on and on and on. And they gave as long as the Lord enabled them to give. And you know what? They didn't just give of their finances, but they gave of their time as they prayed and as they interacted and as they followed the ministry closely of the Apostle Paul. They gave sacrificially to meet the needs of this man of God who was willing to leave home and country and go and serve God someplace else. The importance of partnering with others in the ministry of the gospel. We also see here that Paul accepted their gift. Paul accepted their gift, and the fact that he accepted their gift was a blessing both to Paul and to the Philippians. It was something that was, it was an ongoing blessing that Paul could count on and the Philippian believers knew the effectiveness of the ministry of the Apostle Paul. And let me just say, the effectiveness of ministry is not just measured in numbers, okay? It's measured in eternal change, okay? The value goes so much greater than what money can buy. But Paul, notice this, did not request the gift, Paul did not ask the Philippian believers for a gift. And maybe we should back up and just read the passage of Scripture so we can get an idea of where we're going and where we've been here so far this morning. Verses 14 through the end of the chapter is what we want to focus our attention on. Verses 14 to the end of the chapter. Let's stand. I've been talking to you for a while. Let's get some energy flowing. Let's get some blood flowing. Let's stand together as we read. It's not on the screen. It's just in the Bible. Uh, so let's, uh, you follow along as I read Philippians chapter 4, verses 14 to the end of the chapter. Paul writes this, Nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my distress. Now you... Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. Verse 16, for even even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma and an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And you know this verse, you probably could quote it with me. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. 
And then he closes out with some greetings. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, but especially those who are of Caesar's household. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. And you may be seated. So we see here that Paul, uh, the, the idea of giving and receiving of support and partnering together in ministry is something that is crucial. It's something that is God-ordained and God-prescribed for our local churches. So Paul accepted the gift, and it was a blessing. Paul did not request gifts from them. He didn't go and say, hey, you guys need to give me something. You guys need to give me money. You guys need to give me gifts. Um, and, And as I look back over our missionary career, we did a lot of that asking for help in the ministry. Uh, and I think it's because things have changed so much and, and it's a lot more complicated in our world today and there's so much more that we think we need to do ministry, like computers and technology and all of that stuff. It costs money. So as we, as we uh, and, and automobiles, and, and so those things we requested gifts from. But Paul wants them to understand, I wasn't requesting just for my sake. I wasn't just asking so I could accumulate more and more. I was asking so that fruit would abound to your account. So that when we, when we get to heaven and we see all of those people whose lives have been impacted because of churches supporting, because you gave to the ministry and the ministry gave to these other ministries around the world, man, Lives have been changed. There will be people standing in heaven and there for all of eternity because of the partnering between churches in ministry. To God be the glory. Paul didn't request gifts, but he received the gifts and he delivered them to, that were delivered to him by Epaphroditus. And you know what? We often had teams come to visit us in South Africa. And these teams, they would always write before they came and said, what kind of things can we bring for the ministry? What kind of things can we do to help the ministry over there? Maybe while we're there, maybe after we're there. We had people bring us microphones. We had people bring us computers, hard drives. I mean, just, you know, they requested, how can we help? So we were able to say, you can help this way. And, you know, we housed, the people of our church housed these team members. And you know what? Every person that housed a team member always got a gift always got a gift. And, and you, after the teams would leave, pa- these people come and say, Pastor, look what so-and-so gave. Or you know what they gave us? They didn't have to do that. But what a blessing, what an encouragement it was to their hearts to receive the gifts that were given. And, and can I say just as a little aside, sometimes it's hard to receive a gift. There are people who won't receive gifts. Somebody might come to us and say, hey, God's laid upon my heart to do this for you. Oh, no, no, that's okay. I don't need it. If God's laid it on their heart, take the gift. Not for your, even if it's not for your own well-being, it's for their well-being because God placed the burden on their heart to give the gift and you should receive it with gratitude. And, and use it for the intended purpose, to bring honor and glory to God. Paul accepted that gift, and it was a blessing to him, and he was grateful for it. And he mentions it. There's another thing. If somebody gives you a gift, please don't forget to say thank you. Gratitude is important from the individual who receives to the individual who gives. So it's important to be uh, givers and receivers, There are a lot of people who are just takers in this world. It's important to be a receiver, a gracious receiver, and also for those who give. Praise God for those who God lays upon their heart to give, and they give. And many times it's a sacrificial gift. They don't necessarily have the excess, but they give because God burdened their heart to do so. Notice this. Paul says this gift, the giving of the gifts that they gave to Paul, the gift was acknowledged by God. Not just by Paul, but it was acknowledged by God. And in fact, it was pleasing to him. The gift was acknowledged by God himself. When you give a gift uh, and God has prompted you to give that gift, God understands, God knows, God sees that gift that was given. And because of their gift, because of what they sent by Epaphroditus, because of that gift, Paul's needs were met, and he could say, I now am abounding 
I am abounding. I have more than I need. I don't have just a little bit, but I am abounding. And what a blessing it is as a, as a servant of God to be abounding. You know, when, when there's no concern over financial matters and, and you can just do what God has called you to do, boy, that takes a burden off. Just ask the trustees. They'll be able to tell you that. And we talked about that recently, too. And we're thankful for your continued giving, your faithfulness to give to this ministry is so important and such a blessing. But Paul was abounding because of their gift. But maybe even more important than Paul's abounding is this idea that in God's eyes, the gift was a pleasing aroma. A pleasing aroma. Now, what does that mean? Well, Paul says it was a sweet-smelling aroma an acceptable sacrifice, and well-pleasing to God. When you and I give to the cause of Christ, to the, to the ministry of God, when we give, if we give with the right heart and the right mind, it is indeed a sweet-smelling aroma to God. It is an acceptable sacrifice. And it pleases God. Now, what does that sound like to you? Sweet-smelling aroma, accepted. That kind of sounds like Old Testament talk, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And Paul knew the Old Testament. He knew it well. And so when the Israelites gave and when when they offered sacrifices, what was that for them? It was offering, but what in the, at the end of the day, what were they doing? They were worshiping. They were worshiping God through their sacrifices. They were giving to the one true God. And you know what? That's what makes it a sweet-smelling aroma. The idea of this sweet smell is mentioned many times in the Old Testament, and every time the idea of a sweet-smelling aroma is mentioned, it indicates obedience. It indicates worship on the part of the giver. You see, when the child of God gives to the work of God, God is pleased. Wow. That's a good reminder for us, isn't it? To give, not because we have to give, not out of obligation, Paul says in another place, God doesn't want us to give out of obligation, but God loves a cheerful giver, one who gives hilariously. That's what that word cheerful means, okay? Um, So it's a sweet-smelling aroma. It's an acceptable sacrifice. We first find the idea of of an acceptable sacrifice with Cain and Abel. Who gave the acceptable sacrifice? A, acceptable, a, Abel. Abel gave the acceptable sacrifice, okay? Uh, Cain's sacrifice was unacceptable. What was it that made it an acceptable sacrifice? Abel gave with the right heart, with the right attitude. Abel gave, if you go to Hebrews chapter 11, Abel gave in faith, believing that God would do what he said he would do and ordered his life accordingly. You see, when we give and it's acceptable to God, it pleases the Lord. And it demonstrates, here it is, it demonstrates that the giver is in right fellowship with God. Hmm. Before we give our money, we need to give our hearts. We need to give our attitudes. We need to give ourselves. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 remind us what? That we are to be a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable form of worship. See, we we can't really give cheerfully and hilariously of our money until we give of ourselves. And that's really what God wants. And once we give of ourselves the giving of the other things, that just comes. It's just what we do because we are so grateful. Acceptable sacrifice. Paul also says that it's a well-pleasing sacrifice to God. Our goal as Jesus followers is to do just that, to be well-pleasing to our great God. And you know what? How are we pleasing to God? Well, we're pleasing to God when the words of our mouth are right before God. The things that we say. And it's not just the things that we say when we're in church on Sunday morning or Sunday night or Wednesday, but it's the things that we say all the time when they are pleasing to God, when the things that come out of our mouth doesn't sound like the world. 
It sounds like we've been redeemed. It sounds like we are a child of God and we are saying things that are in accordance with the way God would have us live life. When, when the words of our mouth are pleasing to God, we are well-pleasing to him. When the meditations of our heart are right in God's sight, and when the activities that we involve ourselves in demonstrate that we are walking in accordance with God and his word and the desires that he has for us, that's when our lives are well-pleasing to God. Meditations of my heart, the words of my mouth, and the activities of my life, when they are all in accordance with God's revealed word for us and his will for us, then we are well-pleasing. Excuse me, well-pleasing to the Lord. It reminds me of that Sunday school song that we used to sing when we were growing up. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. And it goes through all of the senses. Oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear. Oh, be careful, little tongue, what you say. Oh, be careful, little hands, what you do. Oh, be careful, little feet, where you go. Oh, be careful, little heart, who you trust. Man, aren't there a lot of people out there, a lot of things out there trying to get your heart to follow after them? Be careful, little heart, what you trust. Oh, be careful, little mind, what you think. Why? If you want to break out in song, you can. For the Father up above is looking down in love. So be careful, little eyes, feet, hands. Be careful what you do. You see, we teach the importance of being well-pleasing to our gods, to our children, to our God. We, we teach the importance of being well-pleasing to God, to our children. But it's important that we as adults model it. They need to see it in us. Because if they see it in us, it's so much more impactful than if they just hear it from us. Well, we got a few minutes left and we're going to wrap things up. Verses 19 to the end of the chapter. Thanks and to God be the glory. Thanks, and to God be the glory. My God, Paul says, shall supply all your needs. What do we have here? We have a promise from God. Promise. Paul was confident that the Lord would meet the needs of the Philippian church. And and let's just break down that phrase just a little bit. Why was Paul so confident that that the Lord would meet their needs? He says, my God. My God shall supply all your needs. There was a per, notice. There was a, a personal assurance in Paul's life and in Paul's writing that God would supply the needs of the Philippians. Paul had a close personal relationship with God. He had experienced God's provision again and again. And so he could say to the Philippians, I am confident that my God will supply your needs. And God had supplied Paul's needs liberally, abundantly. That's why he could say, I know, how to be, I know how to abound. But he also knew that God met just his needs minimally sometimes. Because I learned how to be abased. It's important to be both. But it's important no matter what, whether you're abounding or you're abased, that you're trusting God. Because God will take care of you. He promised he would. In fact, he says, my God shall supply. There was no doubt in Paul's mind of God's ability and willingness to meet the needs of the Philippian believers. Do you believe that God is able to meet all of your needs? Yes, he is. Now, he doesn't always give us the things we want. But he does give us everything we need. Also look here, not only was Paul confident that the Lord would meet their needs, but in verse 19 we see that there's complete meeting of all the needs. There's a complete meeting of the needs. All your needs, God said. All your physical needs that you might have in this life, in this world, God will meet. God will take care of. God will graciously provide for you. Listen to how the Amplified Bible renders this verse. It says, and my God will liberally supply, fill until full. That's what supply means. My God will liberally supply or fill until full your every need. Every one of them. Not just a few, but every one of them. According to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. And that brings us from the promise of God to the person of our promise. According to the riches and glory in Christ Jesus. This is is an amazing statement. 
according to the riches and glory in Christ Jesus. These needs would be met based on God's riches in Christ. Wow. The text says, according to or in his riches. I like what MacArthur says about that phrase. He says, not out of the riches of Christ, but according to the riches. What's the difference, Pastor? Well, God's giving to them, it would be relative to the immensity of God's eternal wealth. That is, as generously as is consistent with his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Hmm. What a difference. Out of means that you give because you have some excess. You have some left over. You give. Paul says God gives in accordance with the riches in Christ Jesus. You think about that? The Bible tells us God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. The wealth in every mine. God has it all. God never runs out of means to meet our needs. Wow. What an amazing truth. Our needs are met because of Jesus Christ. And our greatest need, if you have any doubt about it, you think about this. What, is, what was our greatest need? What is every man's greatest need? It's not a house. It's not a car. It's not food. It is salvation. Nothing could buy it. That's how valuable it is. You couldn't do anything to earn it. But God gave it as his riches in Christ Jesus. The New Testament speaks of the, of the riches of Christ. Peter writes, as, is, as his divine power has given us what? All things that pertain to life, that's doing life, and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. Wow. God just keeps giving and giving and giving. And then we see the prospect of the promise. Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. When we learn, you and I, when we learn to live to be content by God's grace and by God's strength, the end result will be that we bring glory to our great God and to our Heavenly Father. When we, live to be, when we learn to be content with what God has given to us, God is glorified. As Paul closes out this book on joy and rejoicing, he reminds us of the importance of intimacy in the body. And I love this, and, I, and as I was, I actually finished my message, and then as things continued to unfold throughout the week and even throughout yesterday, some other things God brought to my heart in regard to closing this out. There's an import, the importance of the intimacy that we have within the body of Christ. And can I tell you that when Paul's, he is writing to the Philippian believers, but as he writes, he reminds the Philippians that there's more than just the Philippian church. He says to them, the brethren with me greet you. Those who had come to know Jesus as their Savior while Paul was in prison, those brothers, as well as the brothers from other places, because Paul had an impact, an impact uh, throughout the known world, and many people came to visit him, not just Epaphroditus from Philippi, but others from Corinth and from Galatia and from other places around the world came. Those brethren that were with Paul, Paul says, they greet you in the name of Jesus Christ. And then he uses the phrase, all the saints. The Philippians were told to greet all the saints and were being greeted by all the saints. All the saints means more than just Philippi. All the saints that had an interaction with the Apostle Paul, who knew the Apostle Paul, all of those saints were greeting the Philippians. And Paul was encouraging the Philippians to in turn greet all the saints, all the other brothers and sisters that come across your path. Greet them, minister to them, serve alongside of them. There's a familiness in the body of Christ, regardless of where you worship on a Sunday morning. If you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, there is a greater family than just this family. 
There's a greater family than just the the churches that make up the fellowship uh, that we are part of or the two fellowships that we are part of. There is a familiness that extends beyond the borders of New York State, beyond the borders of the United States of America. It encompasses the whole world. And you know what? There's an amazing joy that comes over us when we meet another brother or sister in Christ for the first time. And you find out, hey, they share the bond of Jesus Christ. And sometimes you strike up great relationships with those individuals because you share the bond of Jesus Christ. So as Paul closes out, he says, greet all the saints and all the saints greet you. There is a great joy that comes from this truth, the richness and the fullness and the amazing makeup of the body of Christ. And then he closes by saying, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all Amen. Does that sound familiar? Well, as he started the epistle, wishing for them grace and peace, he closes the epistle. The epistle, More than just a wish, though, when he says, grace and peace be to you, it's not just like he goes to a fountain somewhere and throws a coin in. He says, I hope this happens for the Philippians. He knew, he knew that the grace and peace of our great God and of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ was available to them. In fact, it's a reality for all who know Christ as their Savior. We have grace, we have peace, and we have joy, and we need to let others see it and know it. I trust you've enjoyed our study in the book of Philippians. And as as Paul closes, uh, he goes back to the idea of a thankful heart. And as we close this morning, we want to remind ourselves that we need to have a thankful heart. A thankful heart is that which lives in a way that both pleases the Lord and is beneficial for us as well. A thankful heart not only glorifies God, but it helps us live our life the right way. There's a a couple of children's songs that our kids loved to listen to while they were growing up. But they're not just lessons for kids, they're great lessons for adults as well. We'll take one from Veggie Tales, okay? Madam Blueberry, okay, uh, and, and, and it's just, they're, they're fun to listen to, at least they used to be, I haven't listened to them for a while, for whatever reasons, but uh, our kids loved them, and I have to admit, I enjoyed watching them at least the first 10 times, I'm not sure about the 100th time, but anyway, um, a thankful heart, because a thankful heart is a happy heart, I'm glad for what I have, that's an easy way to start. For a God that really cares, because he listens to my prayers, that's why I say thanks every day. That's why I say thanks every day. Let us not forget to be thankful people. And then uh, Patch the Pirate, the great American time machine. Gratitude, attitude. Just catch the gratitude, attitude, gratitude, attitude. Give thanks in everything. Catch the gratitude, attitude, gratitude, attitude. Lift your voice and sing. Always thank the Lord each day for everything he brings your way. Catch the gratitude, attitude, gratitude, attitude. Catch it every day. Isn't that really what Micah reminded us of this morning when he told us that God is still in control? No matter what's going on in our world, in our lives God is in control, and we should be so, so thankful for that very truth, that fact. Those songs, those kids' songs, sum up Paul's conclusion to the Philippians quite well. Thankfulness leads to an overflowing heart, which results in lives lived to the honor and the glory of our great God. Lives that he can use, here's key, lives that he can use to draw others to himself as well as encourage and challenge and bless our brothers and sisters in Christ all over the world. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. We are thankful for who you are. We are thankful for all the blessings that you bestow upon us. We are thankful, Father, for the fact, the truth, that you are sovereign You are in control of all things. Even when the world looks like it's falling apart, you are still in control. Help us to be mindful of that. Help us to be thankful for that. Help us to have hearts that are full of gratitude for all that you have done. But most importantly, Father, help us to be grateful for the promise 
of everlasting life. That those of us who know Jesus as our Savior, we will spend eternity in your presence. Nothing can take that away. What a blessing. What joy. Thank you for Jesus who makes all of these things possible. In his name we pray. Amen. Mike is going to come and lead us in our closing song. If you need to talk to somebody this morning about salvation, about joy, about gratitude, there's lots of people who would be happy to do that. Please seek us out. We'll hang around. We'll chat if you need to. Um, But just remember that God has called us into his family, and because of that, we should be joyful people. All right, we're going to close this morning with Take My Life and Let It Be. Let's stand together.